Why don't you open up your Bibles to James chapter 5? James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. We're in a, a series called Prayer. Um, the title of the sermon is very sophisticated. Was that a laugh? Did someone just laugh at me? Um, the title of the sermon is very sophisticated. Are you ready for it? Um, it's prayer, part two. Um, last week, I'll give you a recap. We're in the book of James. If um, you're following along in the pew back Bible in front of you, um, you can turn to page 1013. If you don't have a Bible, we want to gift you a Bible. That Bible is yours because here at the chapel, we study God's word. We read God's word. We believe in God's word. So we find ourselves in James chapter 5, verse 13, and we said two things, two things. Um, these weren't my idea. I said this last week, but um, this, this, this wasn't my idea, right? This is something that I've learned through reading um, this passage and reading it through the lens of many or several theologians and pastors and scholars who are a lot smarter than I am. And, and essentially what they're saying in this passage, two things that we learned last week, um, that prayer is central to the life of the believer. Prayer is essential too to the life of a believer. If you're just reading God's word and you're just studying God's word but you're not praying, you're not really living a complete, holistic, um, um, vibrant Christian life. Right? We're, We're easily... Um, prone to just study God's word and pray for five minutes before we read the Bible. And, and we can spend, for some of us, can spend an hour or two studying God's word. I mean, th- we, can, we can prep an ABF class studying God's word. Um, we, we can prep for um, a high school class or uh, uh, a small group class or a middle school class, and we could prep really well for that thing, studying God's word, but oftentimes that's all that we're doing. We're just studying the words on the page, but, but does it lead us to, to prayer? And like, do we spend as much time in prayer as we do reading God's word? Now, James is not concerned with the time that you spent in prayer, but I am concerned that we often spend like not enough time praying that we only go to prayer when, when we need it. So James is saying, no, prayer is essential. It's central to, to the church. It's central to the life of the believer. It's central to um, the Christian walk. And the second thing that, that James is doing in this passage um, that, that he's inviting us to do is to commune, to have relationship with Jesus. Right? Prayer, I likened it to a bridge. Right, The prayer is like a, a bridge. It, it leads us into intimacy with Jesus. It leads us intimacy with the Spirit of God. Right, Like a, a good, healthy relationship, a vibrant, healthy relationship requires good communication. Right? That was that one person who just got married. He was like, yes, I know what to say. Um, are some of y'all married? Like, is it? I'm not married, so... Maybe, maybe it's not on communication. Maybe it's all about love or, you know, whatever that is. Um, sorry, this is a rabbit trail. Um, right, like a good relationship is founded on, one of the pillars is founded on good communication. You, you talk to the person you want to be with. Maybe you're sitting there and like, I haven't spoken to them in 10 years and I don't plan on it. 
I'm looking forward to the next 10 years of silence. Um, that is not a healthy, vibrant relationship. Come see us. We have a care pastor that would love to care for you. I've been picking on Todd for the last month. And Dane says that in, in the first, uh, sorry, in the first uh, part of um, verse 13, James says, well, well here, here's the invitation to pray. This is when you should be praying. And, and the invitation is, are you suffering? Notice what James says. He doesn't say, hey, are you suffering? Maybe you should go see a counselor. Are you, are you in trouble? Maybe you should call a friend and have a three-hour conversation with them to kind of flesh out the exact plan that you're looking for. No, what does James say? James says, to pray. It's a command. It's an imperative. Pray. Pray to who? We pray to God. So, so if you're suffering, if you find yourself in a season of suffering, there are many people in our church who are suffering right now. Right? There are many people in our church who, who are feeling the weight of life's circumstances, who, who don't know what to do, who don't know where to go. James says the invitation is to commune with God. Talk to him. Tell them what you're feeling. Tell them what you're thinking. Tell them how you think this is not fair. Let him hear you tell him. And we also said one of the reasons why we don't pray is because it's not a priority. It's not a priority at all. Second part, we'll read James 13 to 16 to kind of give us an idea of what, what's happening in this passage. Verse 13, page 1013 in the Pewback Bible. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it, as it is working. Or as the King James says, the prayers of the righteous availeth much. I want to focus our attention on the second part of verse 13. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. James offers another situation another time that we ought to pray. He says, are you happy? How many of you this morning are happy? Raise your hand. Oh, okay, good. I was gonna be like, oh, it's only five. I'm like, oh, no. Um, James is inviting the church, the scattered church, the Jewish Christians, but also inviting us that if life is going okay, if if life um, is not overwhelming right now and, and things are good, you, you, you got the new job, you, you got the pay raise, the, the kids are not acting up for the first time in a month. They're getting along. Um, like our relationship, our, our marriage, it, it's healthier than it was before. We're, we're actually talking to each other and we're having good conversation or, or maybe it's, Maybe it's like, life is great. 
I have no problems. Like, I'm beyond the troubles, like the, the suffering, the pain that I was enduring at one season in my life or at one point of this month or, or last year or a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago. Like, right now, things are good. Things are not, things are not a problem. James is saying, pray. Why do you think James encourages the believers to pray when they're happy, when they have true, genuine joy? Why? Why does he invite us to pray? Let's think about that for a minute. What would be our natural response when we feel happy about life circumstances? Here, if I can be honest, here's what I would do. Here's what I do all the time. When life is going okay, and life seems really good, you know, my, my first reaction and response is in prayer. I, I, this is my opinion, right? Don't, this is not gospel. I think it's a lot easier to pray when things are really bad. Right, like, when your back is against the wall, you're, you're, you're faced an obstacle and adversity that you know you can't fix. Um, you're faced with difficulties that are being caused by other people or other circumstances and you, you have no remedy for it. Like, I think sometimes it's a lot easier to pray, but what about the times that our life is really good? Like, I think it's harder to pray when life is good. I think it's harder to pray when like classes are going great, the assignments are really easy, um, like we're getting along, um, life is perfect at work, the coworkers and the boss has stopped being annoying. Like I think it's a lot easier like to pray when we're suffering than it is to pray when life is okay. You know why I think that is? I think it has to do, at least for me, I'm talking for myself, I think a lot of it has to do with pride. I think we're very comfortable in, in, in being prideful. We're very comfortable in thinking that, that the thing or things that are giving us or bringing us joy and happiness are the things that we have accomplished, the things that we have manipulated, the things that we have conjured up, the things that we created. Right? Like, like, I think it's easy for us not to give God credit for the things that are going well in our lives, and it's easy for us to give credit to ourselves, right? Like, oh, I'm in a really good marriage, so we talked it out for about eight hours, so we did something really good. Like, the kids are behaving, so that means my discipline, our discipline is working, and, and, and man, like, we're really, we're really working it, right? Like, we're having a child and we're expecting a child and we did that, right? We put a lot of work into that. We worked really hard on that, right? Like, like I got the promotion and it's because I kept persisting. I worked hard, I worked extra hours and, and we're financially stable. It's because I saved enough money. I did the Dave Ramsey thing, right? Like I'm out of debt, don't use credit cards and save 15%, have my six months thing. You know where I'm at in life, right? Um, Right, like you're, you're financially stable and it's easy to say, I did this thing. What James is inviting us to do is, is when life is good and there aren't any problems, when things are okay, James is saying, pray. 
going to read you a story. Or not a story. This is a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the way of our heart all the time. When life seems okay and good, we are prone to, to not give God the credit and give ourselves the credit. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is what the Lord God tells the people of Israel right before they enter into the promised land, right? Remember, they're in the wilderness for a really long time, and they're about to go in. They're about to take the land, and this is what God says to his people. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to turn there, you can. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Listen to this. To give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It was the Lord, your God, you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, for the Lord your God is in your midst. He is a jealous God. Least the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you. He will destroy you from the face of the earth. What, what is God warning his people? He's warning them, when you go into the promised land, when you're experiencing my blessing, when you're experiencing good times, when you're experiencing life's good works, right? Like when you're, you're seeing the blessings of God in your life, don't forget it wasn't you who did it. You weren't the ones who conquered the enemy. You weren't the ones who brought you into the land. You weren't the ones who planted the gardens. It was me. I did it. So don't forget because the temptation is that when life is good and life is okay and we don't have any problems, the temptation is to think that we did it. And then we'll forget about God. We forget to give him the credit. So what James is saying, hey, listen, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. Notice the type of prayer that he wants them to, to pray. He doesn't say let them pray. He says, let him sing praise. Notice that. Let him sing praise. Why does, why does James wants us to pray prayers of praise? Why do we sing songs of praise in our church, right? Like, we sing really good songs here, right? Oh, gosh. Yikes. No, like, why do we sing songs of praise? Like, because what we want to do is pray to God, right? Like, singing songs of praise are, are types of prayers that we sing to melody and song and rhythm, whatever you want to call it, like, back to God. It's a response to what God has done. It's a response to what God is doing. And, and the reason why he wants us to do this Here's the reason why. The reason why he wants us to do this is because I believe prayer gives us perspective. Right? That when we sing songs of praise, when we worship God, not, not just asking God for the things that we need, though things are good and right, 
Um, but when we worship him, when we praise him and lift up his name, what, when we do that, you know what it does? It gives us perspective. Perspective on what? This is something I've learned. This is not my idea, but I think this is a good point to make. Um, prayer gives us perspective this way. When we sing songs of praise, we stand before the living God, and we are then reminded that God is all-sufficient, and that all that we have, all that we need, all that we are is accredited to him. That's why we sing certain songs in the church and we, sing, we don't sing other songs in the church. We sing songs that are about God, to God, for God. We don't sing songs to lift up and brag about ourselves. There's a lot of good Christian songs that are really encouraging and hip and popular, but, but if they're not songs of praise, that means if they're not songs about God and, and about what he's done and what he's doing or what he will do and songs to him, for him, for his glory, we don't sing them because, because the point of having perspective in prayer, the point of having a, a good worship song is to bring us to the place where we are in awe of God's splendor, we are in awe of God's power, and then we are reminded that God is sufficient for us, that all that we need, all that we want is found in his person, his character, and he has a name, and his name is Jesus, right? So that, that's what praise does. It, it brings us to the place where we remember and know that God is sufficient for you and me. So, so what is praise? I'll give you a quick definition of praise. This is not my definition. I think this might be Nate Braun's definition. Because we used to do um, prayer and praise times for high school and middle school. Um, it's, this is praise. Praise is boasting or bragging about God to God. Right? Praise is boasting or bragging about God to God. This is what praise might look like. This is, this is my own little prayer time. So when you praise in prayer, this is what it might sound like, right? This is it. It's, God, you are faithful. You always do what you say you're going to do. I have witnessed your faithfulness. I have seen your faithfulness. I have seen your faithfulness all throughout scripture. I am currently reminded of your faithfulness to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm reminded of your faithfulness to King David. I'm reminded of your faithfulness to the apostles. I'm reminded of your word that says your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. God, I am reminded of your faithfulness. I remember when you were faithful to me. I remember the time that you extended your hand from heaven and you saved me. You turned my heart of stone and turned it to a heart of flesh. And even though after that moment I gave my life to you and I failed you with my words, I failed you with my actions, you, God, had always been faithful. That's what praise looks like. Right? It's, it's, it's bragging and boasting about God. Maybe it's not about God's faithfulness, but maybe it's about God's sovereignty. God, you are always in control. And when I feel out of control, I am reminded when you are in control. When the people were enslaved to Egypt, 
I am reminded that you were with them and you were part of the plan to bring them out of Egypt. I remember when you were in control of the world powers when the people of Israel were in exile. God, I remember that time when I was out of control in my own life where, where I felt like life circumstances were controlling me and overwhelming me. God, you were in control and I can rest in your sovereignty. I can rest in your plan that nothing falls out of your hand. God, I worship you because you are suffering. See, that's, that's praise. That's, that's bragging about his character. Maybe it's not about God's sovereignty. Maybe it's not about God's faithfulness, but what about God's wisdom? What about God's justice, God's holiness? Think of all the characteristics we see throughout scripture. Praise is being in awe of who God is and bragging to him in a good, righteous way to say, God, you are all these things when I'm not. It's beyond the petition. It's beyond the thanksgiving, right? Like sometimes in praise or in worship, we tend to go to the thanksgiving. God, you are good. I thank you because you are good. No, no, praise stands right here in the presence of God. And then praise just focuses on his character, his power, his attributes, and, and just lingers there. That's the difference for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is thanking God for what he has done, what he is doing, what his character leads him to do in your life. But praise stays in the place of his attributes and character. That's true praise. And the praise then leads us to seeing God as sufficient. Why don't we praise more often? Why? Why don't we pray more often? Last week, I said it because it's not a priority, but, but maybe it's because we don't believe in prayer. Maybe when we actually praise God, we actually don't believe it's actually doing something. Maybe we believe prayer is a waste of time, right? Like, we don't want to take the time it takes to pray. We don't want to take the time it takes to linger to rest in prayer, to trust God in prayer, to believe him to do the thing that we need him to do. Like, like we just, we're just ready to get the words out of, God, I need this, this, and this. But, but, but like, when, when we think of God as all-sufficient and all-powerful, like when we think about his character, like don't you want to brag about him? How many conversations I've had with parents who brag about their kids' ability in sports but they've been sitting on the bench for 20 minutes of the game, and it's a 30-minute game. But they'll brag about how awesome their kids were, right? Like, my kid could play the violin. Yeah, barely, but they'll brag about that. Right, like, and those things are good, right? Why? Why do parents, why do family brag about their children? Because, because they see the character, they see the ability, the skills. Why don't we do the same thing for God? Brag on his abilities, his skills, his power, his might, his character. Like if we spent the time in prayer just praising him alone, we would find, we would find him and him alone. But, but we don't pray not only because it's not a priority, it's because we don't believe it's effective. We, we really don't believe that it's worth the time. Look at me. We don't really, and someone gave me this idea, and this is awesome. We don't believe it's worth 
the time it takes to pray. And James is saying, is life really good? Pray. My encouragement for you this morning is beyond just the petitions, beyond just asking God, do this, do this, my encouragement for you this morning is to spend time declaring, bragging, boasting about who God is, how you've seen his character in your life. Like, what are you willing to give up to pray? Like, so many people say, I'm too busy to pray. Really? You're too busy to pray? What are you willing to give up to be in intimate relationship with someone you love? You give up time and resources and money. So if you want to be in intimate relationship with Jesus, if you want to know his character, if you want to know his will, if you want to, to be in awe of who he is, when a world that's chaotic and a world that's full of sin, then, then spend time praying with him and give up that time. Give up the time scrolling on Facebook for two, three hours. Give up the time on, on commenting on people's posts. Give up the time. Wake up early in the morning. Go to bed late. But do prayer, right? Like, just pray. Is life good? James says, sing songs of praise. Is life going well for you? Sing songs of praise. Let's pray. Why don't you take a couple of minutes? Think about God's character. What are some of the characteristics, some of the attributes that you have witnessed in scripture or in your own Bible time, Bible study times? And why don't you take a couple of minutes and brag, boast about God's character and tell them why. Tell them why you're boasting. Tell them how you've seen him move in your life. Now, why don't you take a couple of minutes and ask the Lord to reveal to you the areas in your life, the times in your schedule that you could have, you could have prayed, but you didn't. And, and ask the Lord um, to give you a deeper conviction, a deeper desire to pray, to help you find a time in the week to spend talking to him whether it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, ask him to show you 
Now, why don't you ask the Lord to show you the places in your life that you have not given credit for. You, you, you've attributed a success or an accomplishment to yourself, but why don't you take a moment and, and just and attribute the credit to God and, and praise him for the thing that he has done in your life. Father God, we boldly come to you, O Lord, acknowledging that you are the creator and sustainer of all things, and you are the king and Lord over all things and all people. God, we, we praise you, and we lift up your name, because your name means something. Your name means good and wise and kind. God, I'm even reminded of the, just your, your, your character of, 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 of being just. God, you, you often give us the thing that we need to rebuke us or to discipline us. And God, thank you that you take care of sin and we don't have to take care of it. God, I think of your character of mercy, that you, you hold back what we deserve. You hold back the judgment of what we deserve. You hold back the thing that we need. But Lord, but Lord we are grateful that, that your mercy extends to us, that we don't get what we deserve, that what we get in exchange is grace. What we get in exchange is kindness. What we get in exchange is goodness. And what we get in exchange is your, your fruit, this fruit of your spirit. God, we praise you and we lift you up. God, always remind us that you are all sufficient. That all that we need, all that we want is in you. In your son's name we pray. And the people of God say, This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.